Love this podcast? Consider supporting this show. You decide how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Visit the link in the episode description to support now. From the minds that brought you the smash hit podcast Your Life The Mixtape and Headliners comes Your Life The Mixtape magazine, a free monthly digital magazine that focuses on music, culture, and social commentary on current news and events. Visit www.yourlifethemixtape.com to subscribe today. Hello there, I, I want to take a moment to talk to you about Dear Dean Magazine from Dear Dean Publishing, my favorite subscription only monthly digital magazine. It's got subscriber generated content about politics, pop culture, travel, family, pets, and poetry and wellness articles and features, contributor articles from nationally recognized journalists, writers, and artists, and provides opportunities for novice writers and authors and other contributors to share their voice, talents, and words. Did I mention that it's completely free? Dear Dean Magazine provides free advert space for small creators, authors, and podcasters, fulfilling its vision that some art should always be free. It's owned and operated by Myron J. Clifton and is designed and distributed by Katya J. Lerner at Buzzword Consulting. Visit deardean.com slash subscribe to get signed up. You're listening to Headliners, the show featuring the best and brightest of music from all over the world. Please welcome your host, Greg Howard Jr. On this episode, I am joined by the absolutely phenomenal Kiki Holly. Her EP Chemical Love is out right now. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> so uh, tell me about the EP and also you there's a there's a new single coming, Pretty Boys, I believe. Yes, the EP uh, was released um, at the end of last year, and it's called Chemical Love. I produced it with the phenomenal uh, twice Grammy nominated producer Ethan Allen, and uh, it was truly um, just truly a, a milestone for me. And uh, felt it felt really great to have it out. Um, I had an amazing release party at the Hotel Cafe in Los Angeles and um, just had a phenomenal band. And it was just a really great experience. Uh, I took some time to release my next single, <laughs> um, which is uh, Pretty Boys, which was just released on September 20th. And um, it's more of a dance anthem actually. And I just, uh, I really wanted to do something that was fun and uh, a little bit of a nod to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I was sort of raised by 
wolves, drag queens. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my best friend is uh, Kelly Mantle. And wow. um, yeah, so she just was on the road with uh, Trixie and Katya. Um, and so, I mean, we, I, you know, I've known her since we were, you know, we go back many moons. And, um, you know, it's just, I just want people to have a little bit more fun, you know, on the dance floor. And it's so important to um, just to have voices out there about finding your strength and your power in community and friendship and, um, you know, just being, uh, being in the clubs is an important thing. It was important for me. And I don't know if our, I mean, it's kind of coming back a little bit more, but it's just, it's so, um, it's a place for self-expression. It's a place for empowerment. It's a place to be your attraction, to be around your community, to, um, you know, and, and the song is, you know, I want that is has sort of, you know, thumping bass lines and, and synth hooks and, you know, sort of like a little bit of a nod to the eighties in a way. Um, and, you know, I think it's about, it's called pretty boys. Um, but it's also about finding your own version, you know, what the, what you think of yourself and not what the world defines what a pretty boy may or may not be. And I've, you know, I've been going to gay clubs since I was, you know, like since I was a teenager, really, since I was like 18, 17. Um, and the gay community is such a big part of my life. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm a huge ally and I just, um, you know, I just think it's, uh, I don't know. I, th I hope that people just dance to it, you know, and maybe sing along. That would be my dream just to be in their car kind of, you know, grooving, <laughs> singing along to the lyrics and, um, having a great time because it's important to celebrate life because there's so much hate out there. And, um, and there's a lot of amazing people out there too. And there's a lot of love and I'm just really, uh, I want to bring that to the world, self-expression and love and loving yourself exactly where you are, because Lord knows I have issues with that too. <laughs> um, and you know, it's just, uh, that that's basically, you know, what it's about to me. Um, and I just hope, hope people find it, it, it to be a good time, you know, a good time within the song and, you know, be able to listen to it over and over again. Uh, full disclosure, when I got the the preview for for Pretty Boys in my email, um, as I tend to do, I listen to all the previews while I'm in the shower. And when I listen to Pretty Boys, I almost busted my ass at least six times dancing. So no that makes me really happy. So, yes, it is. <laughs> It is a banger. I can <laughs> I can confidently say it is it is a banger and one of my new favorite songs ever. Oh, you're so sweet. I appreciate that very, very, very much. It's actually I wrote it all like years ago. And um, we were I was I live in Silver Lake in California, which is a walkable neighborhood. Not all walk not all neighborhoods are walkable in L.A. Um, and that just happens to be one. So I was walking down the street and somebody had spray painted um, pretty boys on like, I can't remember exactly because it was, you know, like five years ago, but it was like on the wall, I think, in, in like blue, neon blue. And I was just like, oh my God, that would make such a great title of a, 
uh, of a song. And so that's how, that's where it, how the title came about. Um, and I, I wrote it with uh, the wonderfully talented um, Patrick Avalon and uh, he's a writer producer. And so I was working with him at the time and we wrote it together and he's such a good, you know, he's good, great at creating beats too. And so we just had a great time doing it. And um, I was, did my EP, I, you know, released the EP and Ethan and I am working with Ethan Allen right now. And we were, you know, thinking about the next song because he heard me do it live. And Kelly heard me, uh, Kelly Mantle heard me do it live and uh, her fiance heard me do it live. So they were like, pretty boys, do pretty boys. And I was like, really? Because it had been an older song that I hadn't quite, you know, worked up. And, um, uh, or, you know, I, I mean, I had it there in my back pocket, but I hadn't thought about, you know, releasing it. And, um, and Ethan was like, okay, let's, let's get into it. You know, like, let's see what we can do. And so he reworked it. Um, and he's also, he's just a good, you know, he's a great, like kind of groove, amazing in New Orleans. He spent, he was Daniel Lenoir's, uh, he ran Daniel Lenoir's studio for seven years Kingsway and Daniel Lenoir produced like U2 and Peter Gabriel. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, but uh, <laughs> he's a legend. And Ethan was a producer engineer there for, you know, seven years. Um, so he's got a good feel for that kind of, you know, shake your booty kind of <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's like sort of, you know, he can kind of do anything, which is brilliant, but he really went into it and redid it. And it was like, yes, I was like, it's working now. You know, it's really, I feel, I feel it, you know, I feel like it's working better. And um, I just wanted to bring some light into the world, you know, like rainbows and glitter. <laughs> and um, and uh, about, you know, pride and being, you know, being happy with who you are and being proud of who you are, no matter your, you know, color, race, creed, sexual orientation, whatever it is. And shining your light in the world because the world needs that light. You know, and it really needs to have people feel, you know, be comfortable in 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 that and who they are and feeling beautiful and pretty and exciting no matter where you are, what you are, or who you are. <laughs> and, you know, I think that that's that's sort of the message in in what I wanted to convey anyway. So if you had to describe the EP using only one word what would that word be sexy absolutely yes <laughs> i yeah i'm a, i love to love <laughs> so and um i love to dress up and i love makeup and um and i just think you know i think i think sexy is important because your creative force your root chakra, if I have to go there. <laughs> um, but your root chakra is where your creative force comes from, right? So you're, that is so important to be in touch with and to explore. And uh, I think it's incredibly healing. And so I always, you know, I always think about like, you know, what, what that feels like and opening, opening those places up for people for, love and sex and you know and exploring yourself and self-expression 
So who is an artist that if they jumped into the Zoom right now and said, Kiki, you have to come on tour with me right this minute. Who are you dropping this meeting for? The Cure. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, he would probably never ask me to go on tour. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very, I mean, I'm a different kind of, but he's a, you know, huge, huge. And Robert Smith is a huge influence on me. Or Susie, you know, Susie and the Banshees. I mean, she's now touring, but I mean, if I could open for them, I I mean, they're just, um, they're all about exactly what, in a lot of ways, what I'm talking about. So, and he's, I just saw him at the Hollywood Bowl. I mean, I had seen him before, but it's a crazy, crazy kind of story because I couldn't, I wasn't, we we weren't sure I was going to, we were going to be able to afford to go because the tickets were expensive. And there was this, you know, strange thing with Ticketmaster. I don't need to get into all that, but um, it was like, you would try to buy some, even though it was, it was just weird. And you go on and it would, the ticket would disappear. It was just like, anyway, it was just um, tough to get a ticket and it was sold out. And I obviously love him and, and adore The Cure and they're in my heart in a lot of ways. And I've been listening since I was, a, you know, like 13, 14, you know, like, a, you know, it was like my a thing. So um, anyway, my husband came back the day of the show and said, I just won $300 in the lottery. And I was like, you're kidding me. And he's like, no. So I went to the Hollywood Bowl and I stood in line because you can go and you can stand in line. And like the seas parted. I was there for a couple hours, but just that they, you know, because sometimes the tickets were too expensive and you couldn't get, you know, like it's just like things popped up. And we got amazing seats in the middle of the Hollywood Bowl, right above the sound booth. And I literally for the first 20 minutes, just tears were pouring down my eyes. Oh, I mean, wow. it's, he's just so emotional for me. I mean, he's, uh, he's and he sounds so brilliant like he just never stopped so his voice is like I'm a singer so you know I know how hard that is and it's you know plus his guitar playing obviously and songwriting I mean you know so much um but yeah so there's that and I mean I guess if Prince were to rise from the grave and and come I mean I that would be sort of a given for me but (laughs) if you're talking about somebody who's alive (laughs) I I think if if Prince came back <laughs> i think all of us would be like i'll i'll go oh, into it. Right. i don't even i don't even sing but <laughs> you know i'll i'll juggle or some shit like exactly exactly i know just that crazy story about him opening for the rolling stones and people throwing bottles at him and i mean and him he'd left he just walked off stage and then mick jagger had to call him and ask him to come back and <laughs> you know that crazy story right yeah and it's just like i mean he just inspires me on I listen to him on a daily basis and he inspires me in in the most profound way um and Stevie Nicks obviously yeah I mean she's just she's I don't know she's magical that's the best way to describe her if you could change one thing about the music industry what would it be that the streamers would have uh, to disclose your audience, that you own your own audience, that 
there would be more transparency and connection to who's listening to your music, not just, you know, 300 people in London just heard your song or, you know, they break it down by uh, area countries. And it's really awesome. It's like, oh, people are listening to my music all over the world, but I have no way to connect with them. You know, I have no email addresses. I have no, it's just like these arbitrary numbers that then the industry judges you on, right? But so many of those numbers for so many of the artists that are signed, even signed labels are, are fake, you know? And it's just like, and you're being judged by numbers that a lot of people get in the room with Spotify, then you can't get in the room with Spotify because you know, you're not a label. And so it's, it's kind of old school payola in a whole new, <laughs> in a whole new tech environment. It's like payola never, never went away. What's a venue that you'd give anything to play? Like what's the dream venue for you? Well, I would say the forum. And, and then I would say Red Rocks and in Colorado, I went to high school there. And then Madison Square Garden. I would, I mean, that would be like, you know, I think that if I was opening in those places, I would like, uh, I've made it. <laughs> <laughs> I've made it and I have a great audience. And I, I just, um, you know, that would be, I would, I don't know, probably blow my mind. Red Rocks is the most popular answer to this question. Oh, everybody, like across the board, everybody is like, you know, if I played Red Rocks, that would be it for me. And I, I saw a show at Red Rocks like five, six years ago, and it changed my entire like life just it was it was like the music bounced off the sky and came back to you and i was like i i will never be able to sit in another venue and have this so i get it yeah it's it's amazing i mean i've seen quite a few bands there but uh not recently um but do you think that's because of you too maybe because of sunday bloody sunday yeah i mean i think sort of gotten to the everybody's mind it i mean maybe, i don't know um i saw <laughs> i saw metallica there oh wow and um it was it was a crazy concert but the um the sky just opened up and then lightning just while they're playing just going everywhere it was like the you know like the um you know the heavens were just sort of like it was it was a pretty pretty intense scene Oh, wow. Yeah, it was very interesting. But it is such a beautiful venue, and you do feel transport. Who did you see? Um, It was... And now I can't think of who it is. It was, a, it was an EDM group. Oh, cool. Um, and if I can think of it, I'll, I'll email you their, their name. Uh, but it's, it's lost to me right now. <laughs> No, but it's transformative there. Yeah. It really is. I, I completely agree. What do you think is your worst habit during the songwriting process? 
Um, I would say not finishing a song that comes to me as a gift. So not always, but often I'll get a melody in my head and it's just sort of, um, it's kind of like a quiet whisper, right? Like everybody talks about the still small voice, <laughs> but I feel like it is sort of like a coming through me in some way. And I'll put it to, you know, like a lot of people, right? You just do it in your voice memos. And I think that uh, I'm disappointed in myself when I'm not focusing on that as a gift. But it's it's difficult to, you know, it's, it can be difficult to produce on, I mean, the level that I am working on, um, you know, it's, we're crafting, we're playing everything, we're, you know, we're writing in the studio, and it's, you know, it can be it's costly and you have to kind of balance like what you're going to work on versus what's next. And so I think my, but I think I need to spend a more time when things like that happen, finishing the song. I mean, I think George Harrison has said that and so many artists just talk about like, when it comes to you, finish it. How would you describe your music using only colors and shapes? Um, I kind of already said it, but the rainbow, <laughs> <laughs> the rainbow and diamonds and disco balls. <laughs> I love it. Uh, do you, do you consider yourself an artist or an entertainer? Both. Both. I am definitely, um, I, I am not one of those people who's shy on stage. I, I mean, I feel like I'm both, I have both qualities of an introvert and an extrovert. I can definitely be at the party and just kind of chill and talk to a few people. I don't need to be the center of attention. Um, but when I'm on stage, I want to give it all I got and make sure people leave entertained and they leave happy. And, um, but the artist in me is really an important piece because I, if you don't have the focus on your artistry, I think then you're not growing as a performer and an entertainer. So I think that the, the artist in me always has to be aware of that, keep feeding that um, creative side of me so that when I'm on stage for people, I'm, um, I'm what the best version of myself I can be at that time. And also just sharing, uh, sharing my gift so that hopefully they leave uh, in maybe a better place than they, you know, they were before they came. Um, you know, if I can lighten somebody's load a little bit, entertaining them for the night, that's great. And being an artist is also really important because you, you have to um, constantly push your boundaries. You know, you're constantly going, okay, what's my artistry? How am I exploring this? How, how am I becoming a better, a better artist? And how am I being able to funnel that through my music so that I can, you know, explore um, those different pieces of myself? And uh, honestly, being a, a fan and being a student is also a very important part of being an artist and being an observer. So that is really key. Um, listening to a lot of other people, 
talking, being around other artists um, and having them recognize your art, I think is really important too, because if you have like the producer I work with now, um, Ethan Allen isn't like a really phenomenal artist. That's sort of like he's, you know, he uses the studio, you know, as an instrument and um, he's an incredible multi-instrumentalist and he's also programs and produces. I just, you know, kind of hit the jackpot in a way working with him. And he's also pushing me too to be to be a better artist because that is really where um, where the world changes. And I think that when you have those points of being an artist, artists do have the power to change the world. And I think with the way that things are set up now, because there's you have to be on you know ten different websites as an artist. You're constantly online. You're constantly on your phone you're constantly it's really you have to be really careful because you have to make sure you're also feeding your soul and being able to um explore the different sides of yourself because i'm i mean i'm struggling with that i don't know if other artists do <laughs> but i struggle with having to be online a lot and it's not my nature um and so I, I have a real, you know, and I have to be able to allow myself to be seen or nobody under, knows me. And it's such a, you know, there's so much music, I'm sure, as you know, just every, I forget what it is, but, you know, I, I can't remember the number exactly, but it's, you know, 60,000 songs being uploaded. At, I mean, it's just a yeah. lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So you know, it's like, how do you, and I just try to do good work, you know, and, and stay in the work. And so if I can do good work and I can continue to just put myself out there, but I think it was Nicki Minaj. I was looking at an interview with her online, but she was saying that, um, it's not really about talent anymore. It's about, it's a popularity contest. And, um, you know, I feel like sometimes it's like I'm, you know, you're trying to win that popularity contest and s still do good work and still all at the same time. Can I say the F word? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. But at the same time, like not give a fuck, you know what I mean? Like try to not care, you know, have, I'm a sensitive soul because I'm an artist, but also having to have that boundary where you're like, people are going to say, some people are going to like you, some people aren't, you know, and that just has comes with time of sort of getting that thicker skin where you're like, well, I mean, it, it you know, it sort of is what it is. Uh, but I do try to focus on the work so that if I put good work out there, possibly potentially someone will hear it <laughs> and like it and, and it'll be, you know, it'll make them, um, a little happier. Um, I don't know, move them in some way. I, I mean, I just, that's, that's the goal. Is there a, a moment in your career that you're most proud of? Right now. Nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I, uh, I'm so proud of myself for still being, you know, here, keeping going um i wrote i didn't mean a minute i wrote a musical that was on dusty springfield um called forever dusty i starred in it i started it in la at usc university of southern california um i was working in the screenwriting division so my i was around these you know 
famous, you know, people don't know screenwriters very much, but I was around, you know, pretty, you know, like Mardik Martin who wrote Raging Bull and um, Howard Rodman and Jack Epps and uh, Jack Epps Jr. and uh, who wrote Top Gun and, you know, just people like that who were really amazing writers. Um, and I uh, took classes there, right? I took screenwriting there, but they were giving a grant to develop a project, small grant. And it was for faculty and staff. So I, I applied for it. I got a, a small amount, but it was enough to get my charts. And if anybody knows, charts are expensive. So, um, you know, you have to get charts for every instrument and things like that. And I had just had this idea about Dusty Springfield. And um, I had said it to my acting coach, John Kirby, um, who sadly was just diagnosed with ALS. is breaking my heart. But... Um, and he he was very supportive too, and so I started reading books about her life. I would go, you know, I didn't, it was a nine to five job, so I would come home and I would write a, monologues in in a voice, right? I would read about her, but then write my own sort of riffing monologues, writing, and then I would go to open mic nights and sing her songs. Um, and I just became a super huge fan of her story, her music. I bet he became a much better musician and a much better singer start studying her. And I went from little cabaret shows and then I had um, got the grant and then I had a deadline at USC and my friend Georgia Fox, who's on, was on CSI, this TV show, and she was in Memento and things like that. And she came in with the Gay and Lesbian Center, the, the Lily Tomlin Jane Wagner Cultural Arts Center. Um, and it's called the Renberg Theater in LA. It's part of the... Um, the village there and we produced it there and it was this beautiful 200 seat house and we sold out we did really well um and i had like 50 grand and i moved to new york my husband who was my boyfriend um at the time was living there he was working at dc comics and i moved to new york and i waited tables in hell's kitchen for five years <laughs> and i hustled my ass off and i ended up having to raise you know, over a half a million dollars. And so the kicker of that was I sang at Joe's pub one night and I was about to quit. I was like, I can't do this anymore. And cause I had worked, I had 11 backers auditions. I mean, I worked really, really hard. And there was a woman in the audience uh, who saw me sing and she started Joe Papp's career at the public theater. And she was like, I want to help you. So, and that was part of what turned it all around was she raised um, a very significant amount of money for me, um, enough. So we, I got a good executive producer and the show ran off Broadway and that was a huge accomplishment. I was in, you know, for me, I, as I just said, how hard I worked, but I was in, ended up being in the New York times and entertainment weekly and Reuters and, you know, a lot of features and good press. And so that was a huge, huge accomplishment in my life. And I wrote two screenplays about Dusty Springfield. One was in the finals at the Sundance Writers Lab two years in a row. Um, and so I think like it's, I, I worked, you know, it was really, really hard on everything. And I co-wrote the screenplays with my husband, who's a writer, but um, it just was a giant accomplishment. And then after that, I came back to LA cause I was in, living in New York and I was like, I, I was done with theater at that point. I was like, it had taken so much out of me that I was like, I'm moving. I started working with Patrick Avalon Tully. Um, 
and we started writing and I was like, this is, this is the direction that I want to focus on. This is where I want to go. And it's taken me, you know, where am I? Five years to get to here. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of hard work. And I'm, that's, I think that's why I say I'm most proud of right now because, um, you know, at any point I could have thrown in the towel and just said, you know what, I'm just gonna, uh, I'm kind of done, you know what I mean? And I just, I could have done that a lot, but I didn't, I haven't, which just makes me proud of myself. <laughs> as you, as you absolutely should be. <laughs> Thank you. So if you could start your career over from day one, would you do anything differently? I would just focus entirely on music. I mean, I've starred in a you know, movies, I've done t a little TV and uh, I was doing a lot of acting. Um, and that was my focus was more on acting. And I've, I've been a singer since I was, I started taking lessons since I was eight years old. So, you know, I came out sort of, Da, 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 da. You know, like, I was like, I'm here. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm just making a joke, but you know, I really, um, you know, I, I was doing just a lot more acting, musical theater, um, things, things like that. And it's just, you know, the, the more time I've spent on music, I was like, and I've always written, I've always written music. I had like a brief management deal. I was supposed to be, um, they flew me to Minneapolis to work with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, like, you know, and it ended up not, um, there was a pr the producer there who had done like Michael Jackson's history album. And so I ended up in Minneapolis, but he was, this was a long time ago, but he was stuck doing somebody else's record and they were having a breakdown. I'll, I will not really feel their name, <laughs> but they were having a breakdown. And so I ended up just stuck there for like four or five days. Um, I think I went to the mall of America and um, <laughs> you know, they ended up just saying like, you know, uh, go back home. And then the sort of management deal kind of fell apart and I didn't, I didn't, but there's been times where I've gotten close, uh, closer with my music and I, I thought, okay, this, this is it. This is happening. This is, you know, this is where I'm going. And I ended up living in Japan for a year. I left and I was singing in Japan for a year, but um, yeah, it was just like the, <laughs> so uh, it's, it's so, I, I, I wish that I would have, you know, just stayed the course in a lot of ways with, and I did and in so many ways I kept doing it. Like I always wrote, I always played guitar. Um, you know, I was always sort of performing and doing it and getting better at it. I just, it just would have been nice for the universe to have me just a little bit earlier <laughs> here, but, but here I am. And, um, and so, but honestly, I think I'm creating a, you know, I guess things happen for a reason and it was a long journey to get to Ethan. It was three producers. So, um, I worked with a second producer who, um, Doug Green after Patrick and um, then he ended up having to go move to New York. And so that's how I found Ethan. So I'm like, and, and with Ethan, I ended up releasing, um, you know, I'm on my sixth song with him. So, um, which 
for whatever reason that that was my journey. I mean, it was, it hasn't been an easy journey, like I said, and, but Ethan is, is a huge gift to me as well. You know, the people also, Patrick and Doug were amazing producers and writers and great people too. And I got along with them really well, but for whatever reason, it just, the releases hadn't happened until I ended up working with Ethan and he took them to a different, his production style. And, you know, they were just, um, because I'd written them a while ago, he's had modernized a lot of the stuff and put more elements, I think better, uh, you know, put, put pushing me into, you know, like we were saying, pushing your artistry, developing yourself more. Um, there was nothing wrong with the work I had done before. It was beautiful, but there was a different, I think a different level of pushing myself and putting myself out there. And then I was like, okay, I, I think this is ready. And I released, we released a cover first, which was more than this, uh, Roxy music cover. And I had lost a dear friend of mine and that Avalon album kind of got me through. And I hadn't been a huge Roxy music fan before. I mean, I know, knew of them and loved them, but that sort of turned everything around for me. And, um, and it was just like, uh, I have to, I have to do something. And what happened was I did it one day in the studio with Doug and I played it then for, um, Ethan and he, you know, he had worked with Daniel Lenoir and knew Brian Eno. Brian Eno was one of his mentors as well. And, and so it was special for him too, um, to, to do it, to redo it. And so we put that out first and I have, <laughs> I put a little, I didn't have a video and a friend of mine who's, um, he draws for Batman and stuff and a lot of different, uh, superheroes, but he does independent comics as well. His name's Dean Haspiel. And he's won an Emmy for Bored to Death. I don't know if you remember that show, but he did the, our, another friend of ours, Jonathan Ames, created that show and he did the credits for it and he won an Emmy for those. So he was like, hey, I have these panels for this comic book called Billy Dogma and you can have them if you can put them into some sort of video. So I didn't have a video, so I took the panels from his comic book, Billy Dogma, which he has right now, he's just released it, which is amazing. His name's Dean Haspiel. And, um, and so I put that in the video. And so that was sort of magical too. Like the whole process of sort of having that be my first song and, and then seeing, being able to see Roxy music at their 50th anniversary tour, because they went on tour, like, you know, um, a couple of years after I released it. And, uh, it was just, I mean, obviously, you know, Brian Ferry and, um, Brian, Eno are you know, I mean, just monster <laughs> musicians <laughs> and songwriters and, um, and it's just, there's such an influential band, you know, um, Roxy music. I mean, they're just, you know, legendary. So it felt good to me to also just keep, keep their, not that they need this from me, but also just sort of keep their name alive, you know, or guide people there because it's so healing. There's a lot of powerful, I mean, you know, some of it's avant-garde, but <laughs> there's so much uh, beauty in that music. So if this interview turned into like a tiny desk concert type thing, what is the first song on your set list? Oh, 
it's funny because I just did, I did that concert um, for my EP release, but it's a song, there's a song I haven't released and I don't think I'm going to release. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it's, um, it's called Beating Heart and it's, it's just a really, really powerful opener. Um, I think, gosh, I mean, right now I think Pretty Boys is pretty great. I mean, I wouldn't mind opening with Pretty Boys, really. I think that that's a, kind of a showstopper and it gets people moving. What, uh, what advice would you give to the next generation of artists? Uh, stay the course. Uh, I think it's interesting to me because I don't know it's such a different um, because they've all grown up completely online. Um, I think it's fascinating because they have so much, so many more skills in that area. I think that, um, you know, make sure you play out in front of an audience and you're not just living in your, you know, on your computer. I think that's really, really important, important. Um, to connect with people on and face to face, <laughs> you know, not just online, um, because there's an exchange of energy, right? And I mean, you know, they they go to concerts and and so they know that. But um, dream dream big, you know. Uh, stay away from um, any pills that because of fentanyl, you know. I mean, just be really careful of where you get your drugs. And who you're getting your drugs from and um because you're going to do them anyway you know <laughs> i don't really anymore but <laughs> i'm sure you the younger people will but you know tiny i mean i need to say this because it's just a tiny tiny amount of fentanyl can kill you and a lot of a lot of it's going around now um so i just talk about you know talk about this as, with as many people as i can but young people too you know long a lot of it's going around now where somebody's giving you a Xanax or somebody's giving you, um, I don't know, MDA, MDMA or, you know, Molly or whatever. And it's just your Coke, you know, whatever it is you're using or doing, um, make sure it's tested and pure and you know where it's coming from. Cause you could die instantly. It's not like, Oh, I'm might get do an overdose. It's like, you're dead. You know what I mean? You're gone. And it's happens really fast. So I would warn about that. Um, Find a good lawyer, find a good lawyer and find team members that are ethical. I mean, the, that, that stuff is not easy either. So, um, I happened to get, uh, an amazing lawyer really early in my career. And if without them, I wouldn't be here like straight up. So the story of doing my musical is a, like a, you know, a, a book in and of itself, the things I had to go through, but because I had a good lawyer, I prevailed, you know, I was sort of the underdog and there's been, you know, a lot of competing projects and people didn't, you know, really think that I would be able to do what I did, but I did it. Um, that's, that's what I would say. So I did dream big. Um, I didn't give up and things are, can get really hard. I mean, maybe they're easier for them. I don't know. But, um, for me, things have always been really challenging <laughs> and I didn't give up. So I guess like, don't quit. Don't quit would be another one. If you really want it, 
don't quit because it's not easy. There's not one easy thing. Really, to be an artist is, unless you have that sort of infrastructure like Taylor Swift who had the dad or Dua Lipa who has the dad, you know, they manage them. And same with Beyonce who had the dad, you know, and the mom. Um, but since they were young, they were groomed. You know, Britney, Ryan Gosling. I mean, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of nepotism. Um, but I think you just, you know, don't feel sorry for yourself because that can happen too, you know. Um, but you create your own opportunities. And if you don't give up, I do truly believe the universe can open, will open up for you. But careful of your record deals, independent, find a good, that's why I say find a good lawyer, independent record deals can be worse than major labels. Be careful about major labels, <laughs> you know, like they can shelve you, you know, um, they can shelve you and then they own everything. So just, you know, there's just a lot of, you know, not that I wouldn't want to be on a major label, but, um, or a really good indie label, but that's why you have to, you know, be, read your contracts, damn it, read them, you know, read your agreements, read your contracts, be careful what you're getting into and, um, make sure you prioritize your mental health and physical health. I have a hard time with that too, but you know, you know, it's, uh, it's important to take care of your self care. So if there were 25 hours in a day, what would you do with that extra hour? Uh, right now I'd sleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I would talk to my folks a little bit more because you just don't know how long you have them and um, tell people I love them. You know, call my friends. Um, I'm getting teary, but yeah, tell people I love them. And I've had, you know, they've had a lot of loss, like a lot of people. So, um, excuse me, <laughs> I feel silly. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, you know, important to, or be creative or take a walk get outside, take a walk on the beach, or, you know, um, if you don't take a walk by the water or a lake or something, you know, that can make you feel a little bit better about life. So what do you, what do you want people to get from your music? Joy. I think joy. Um, Fun, fun. I think fun is the fabric of life and I'm stressed a lot. So I'm not super great at fun either, but I think fun is the fabric of life. Like if you can just focus on having more fun, I think life gets better. So uh, tell the folks listening at home and all over the world where they can get their hands on Chemical Love and where they can get their hands on Pretty Boys. So uh, go to Kiki Holly, which is K-I-K-I-H-O-L-L-I dot com. And you can uh, sign up for my mailing list there. 
and you can also it'll direct you where to listen to the ep or pretty boys but it's everywhere i don't you know i don't hold back so i click all the boxes of distribution <laughs> so anywhere you want to you know listen to it spotify or you know pandora or youtube um etc 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 uh it's on you know it's on all the platforms and i'd love to know what you think i mean reach out to me um send me an email and you know get in touch with me through um through my website and where can they find you on social media so instagram i'm on there probably more but it's kiki holly it, holly is with an i k-i-k-i-h-o-l-l-i -L -L rock um that was sort of my nod to um prince if anybody knows holly rock 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 holly rock everybody want a holly rock um so <laughs> that was my little prince nod um because i got locked out of my kiki holly account on instagram and i was like okay i'm just gonna start over <laughs> and it's gonna be kiki holly rock now so that and then um then on uh, twitter just kiki holly is it kiki holly music or kiki holly and facebook kiki holly music and Twi uh, TikTok is Kiki Holly, um, Bandcamp, Kiki Holly. So, uh, you know, there's, and I have all the social links on my website too, if there's any questions about that. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. Um, when when I first heard your music, I was a fan. And now after after talking to you, I I just absolutely adore you. Oh, that's so sweet. I feel the same about you, Greg. Thank you for having me. It's very I hope we meet in person. Are you in Pennsylvania? No, I'm in uh, I'm in South Carolina. Oh, South Carolina. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So you do have the beach there. Yes. Yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> 15 minutes anyway i go oh that's lovely i love that makes you feel better yes thanks for listening to headliners we'll be back next week with an all-new episode don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for more information about the show visit us at www.yourlifeemicstate.com Headliners is a Spring Break 83 production in association with Rod Wharton Productions. All rights and trademarks reserved. <laughs>